our first podcast, right? This is our very first one. Uh, we're pretty sure that nobody is going to listen to this, and uh, that's just fine. So we're just going to figure it out as we go, and we're going to teach people a little bit about our experience implementing information security at you know enterprises, both big and small. And uh, we're going to have, hopefully, uh, interesting guests in the future. I think so. But um, here we are. Yeah, 100%. And uh, yeah, this is pretty inter interesting for me and Adam. We're both um, kind of novices when it comes to cybersecurity. And we're really... And when we here, say novice... <laughs> like, novice. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I've been working with Pramify now for, what, like three weeks, four weeks now. And... Uh, yep. Everything I know about cybersecurity is from this man here. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to learn more because yeah. yeah, I'm just scraping the tip of the iceberg right now. <laughs> right. I think that anybody can learn this stuff. It's not rocket science. It, um, it's just about you know, how, how, how should you be thinking about cyber? It's a really overwhelming right, for a lot of people. Yeah. And it, it's interesting because for me, like what's been the most overwhelming part is just the terms that are used in cybersecurity. It sounds so crazy. Yeah. Yeah, they totally do. And then if you go into something like FedRAMP in the federal space, or if you go into um, DOD and DISA, oh my gosh, like there are so many, so many acronyms that um, I'm still learning as well. Like It's not just acronyms. It's like, how many numbers can we put together? Tooth. 27,000, <laughs> right? One. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then how many appendices can we add to that, that particular standard? And uh, yeah, I think a lot of people look at it as kind of a racket, <laughs> like, you know, okay. compliance and, and security. But it is really important. It's a really important space. Um, it's not something that I thought I would be doing. You know, when you, you know, I don't, you know, actually now it's kind of like I wake up every morning and I kind of get my headband on. You know, I want to be a better auditor. I want to be, you know, I want to be a better compliance person. Uh, it's definitely not something that uh, most kids are aspiring to do to kind of get into cybersecurity, right? Um, it's um, it's kind of like doing the dishes. It's, it's not something people really want to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. At no time when you were in university, because we were there together, did you think you were going into security, right? Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea yeah. what I was doing, right? I mean, um, let's see. Um, so I got married, and uh, I had kids, and I was still at you know, BYU. And I'm like, oh, I, I think I was, I was thinking maybe I'll do management consulting and that like maybe I was pretty bad fit for that. And, and then I thought maybe I'll do something in healthcare. And so I, I went to a hospital and like volunteered at the hospital like Saturday nights, like every Saturday night to go volunteer at the hospital. I'm like, ah, I'm not really good fit for hospitals either. Kind of don't like it here. <laughs> so, you know, just like anything, just, just trying something. And so um, uh, my background was like uh, I was a musician punk rock and I liked having a lot of fun I liked surfing and so naturally I 
you know, when PricewaterhouseCoopers came and other people with offers to like audit firms, I'm like, oh yeah, let's, let's do this. This all sounds the, amazing. All the other <laughs> punk rockers and surfers work at That's PwC. Right. I mean, like, oh, dude, this is such a great fit, right? <laughs> so and, yeah. Oh, sorry. Like, how did that opportunity come to you? Okay. Yeah. So. Um, I was going to do something in finance. I think that's what my major was in the business school. And um, I took a programming class and I actually liked the programming class and um, I liked it a lot. Right? I, I, I liked, uh, I just liked it a lot. And I'm like, oh, I should have done this. And, and someone said, well, you can still probably, you know, you know, I know you've done a lot of your business classes already, all the accounting and everything like that. Um, and you've done finance and you've done things like that, but you could probably just switch your major and just do information systems if you can get into the program. And so I did well enough in that programming class and like the other technical classes that I got into that. And then, but I was already graduating. So Adam, you were in like the junior core and you, everybody was kind of following the path of like, this was the whole, the plan the whole time. And for me, it was not, I was like, um, uh, Let's see. Um, I kept changing my mind all the time, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have a family. I, I better do something. I, I want to do something I'm passionate about. And I wasn't really passionate about anything except for, like, playing the guitar and, uh, you know, surfing and, you know, having fun, you know, wherever I could. And so, uh, but but I did really like programming, and I liked, I, I liked that a lot. And so um, I flip-flopped the degree, and so I was, things that I should have been doing in my junior year, you know, and then you intern based on that, you know, those were, <laughs> I didn't really have that opportunity to go intern right at that point. And so, um, you're the proverbial guy realized he missed his, uh, exit <laughs> on the highway. So you're swerving off through the median. To That's get right. That <laughs> yep. Like, yep. I'm heading for like something fun. And then I see like, Career in auditing, <laughs> you know, it's that mm -hmm. one meme, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Up, right? I'm like, it looks awesome. <laughs> Let's do that. And so, um, yeah. So I, the thing is, is that the professionals that I talked to, I really did vibe with them really well. Like they, these were like great people, person. Like you know, ex, a lot of them were extroverts, right? And a lot of them, you know, I just identified with them and. Um, uh, I guess I was interesting enough that, you know, they hired me. And so I got offers from the big four, right? Um, and some of them, uh, some of them I just said, hey, I'm just going to go with PwC because I really like them. And uh, I had, you know, just great people there right at the get-go. Um, but I didn't really know what I was doing. But then later after I'd like, I kind of accepted the offer. We were doing like an audit class and I'm like, oh man, I don't really like this. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that class? <laughs> yeah, I have. Can I tell the story? Okay. As I remember it. This is an audit class. This, you know what I'm telling story I'm about to tell? I don't know. Well, I'm telling it. <laughs> this is an audit class. I sat over here and Kenny was over there. I remember he was way over there. And the teacher was going through some process, some flow, controls, some control. And I'm everyone, most of us were literally dying. But he, Kenny was closest to death because he said, <laughs> he said, wait, 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 stop. And he marches down. It was like a stadium seating classroom. He marches down to the bottom. He does a cartwheel. And then he returns back to his seat and he says, okay, you can continue. <laughs> 
That's Do you not remember that? Okay, I remember being like bored. Like I was like, this is so boring. And he said like, I think, how would you make this? Wasn't it something like, I, I don't remember. I'm like, I don't know what you do. I'm like, maybe we can do something. Like, we can do a cartwheel. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so boring. And then I'm like, I, I was having like, you know, this internal struggle at that point. I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I? And I knew, I already know, I actually already had like dropped my acceptance letter, I think. I'm not sure at that point, but. What does it mean to drop it? I, I like, you remember back in the day, this was like, you know, back in the in the younger days when uh, you would like sign, this was before DocuSign and oh, before, wow. yeah, yes, Whoa. yes, yes. We we signed things and we put them in the U.S. mail. Weird. Right? I remember it was, it was late at night. Oh, I'm you like, dropped it off in the mail. I dropped box. it off and I remember mm-hmm. with Angie and I looked at her and I'm like, oh, it was right there on University Ave by BYU and uh, a 7-Eleven, which I frequented because I, I was like, Big time. I love Slurpees, man. <laughs> I, I did. I, I, I can't handle them now, but. Moved on from the Slurpees. Yeah, Slurpees life. can't handle me, I don't think. <laughs> but anyway, um, I remember just kind of that struggle of like, oh, shoot, what did what I get into? And then when I went there, I met just amazingly, like just smart people. When I remember going to, uh, uh, to training and I'm like, oh, okay, like I, I get this. This is pretty cool, right? I, I mean, uh, not something that high school kids would think, oh, this is pretty cool. Yeah, no one, no one thinks that. But I, I kind of started to get why we're doing it. But then when it came to actually doing the work, um, it was really, really hard, man. And I didn't, it, I didn't want to, like, learn about it, right? I'm like, oh, my gosh, what did I do? So I kind of sidetracked, right? I, I started working with a friend on a startup, you know, and um, – I'd spend time on that. And so I'd spend, you know, if you work at a big four, you're already working like a lot of hours, right. especially during certain periods of the year. And so right when they hire us, you know, that's right when we get into this busy time, you know. And so I guess I did well enough not to get fired, but I wasn't like, you know, blown blown the doors off, right? You know, I wasn't I wasn't knocking the cover off the baseball at all. Right. I was just kind of doing enough and um, uh, which was hard for me because, you know, I like to be good at the things I'm doing. And and so I was trying to do this other startup. I was doing technical things and uh, I was thinking I'm just not a fit for this. It, within PwC, I was trying to find other things to do um, that were more, you know, aligned with my skill set. And uh, I don't know. It was just a hard time, honestly. I mean, I had I was is a. I was working at cool companies. Um, I had a job. I had a trajectory, you know, and a career. But internally, I was like, oh, my gosh. I'm curious. Struggling. What were you doing at that startup? Like, what was more, like, appealing? Oh, um, so, it, um, Todd, if you're out there, love you, man. Um, it was Todd's idea. And uh, it was a, a price line for local merchants. It was called Sprezio. And uh, it was a, I thought it was a really cool idea, you know, when I was young, right? I thought, this is, this is dope, right? Um, I think what I had thought of is like, okay, now we have, it was 2008, right? So iPhones had just, iPhones had come out the year earlier, right? But then the App Store was released, which was like amazing, like an amazing event. And so we're thinking, okay, so we can have this Sprezio app and we can uh, send 
I could be like, hey, I want an Xbox controller for 25% off, and we'd send it out to all the local merchants. And the, and the merchants could say, yeah, or no, or, you know, you could kind of haggle on a deal. And um, I thought that that was pretty cool, and a lot of people thought it was cool, you know. And uh, uh, technically, it, it was fun kind of working on that, and um, pretty cool. And maybe someone will do that now um, and do it better. But the, I think the problem that we ran into, there was a big chicken and egg problem. And our customers that we were targeting, the ones that like wanted to use it, so like me, I'm like, oh, I want an Xbox controller for, or like, you know, or like we need, we need underwear for our kids or something like that. Mm-hmm. Let's let's look for that deal. It would send out to the local merchants. But the the thing is, is that um, uh, merchants like already have what they're gonna do sales on, right? And they know their margins, and they don't want to compete on price. And you know, this was you know. Margins are so thin, you know, so it was kind of yeah. like they were never, they were not going to pay. That, that's who are we wanting to use. And so the people who liked it a lot weren't ever going to pay us. <laughs> so it's kind of like DOA, but, you know, it's, um, I don't know. I, I thought it was a really good experience, right? And so I was working on that a lot, you know, on the weekends. Yeah. But meanwhile, every now and again, I would, kind of get some glimpses and I worked with some pretty cool people that like were like I can't eat come here man (laughs) you know just kind of take me under their wing and like you know they they could tell I you know big problem with like maturity right because I was just internally I mean I'm like I'm I'm, I'm 25 years old I have kids you know what do I uh what am I doing I was just kind of like just going through motions trying to figure things out right so yeah. it was it was a tough time. I was just kind of like split, you know, not really focused. Yeah, just trying to figure everything out. Yeah, totally. Yep. So what was your moment that you found your direction? Yeah, yeah I think just a series of things. So again, I had really good mentors. Um, uh, Brian Kelly was one of them. He's he's a leader in in the GRC space. Um, I had. Uh, other, you know, other coaches, uh, Magna, Magda Wagner was, she's at Salesforce now. She's awesome. She, she really helped me start kind of focus on learning what exactly was the business of like, you know, audit and cybersecurity and all that stuff. Right. Um, but I had a friend, um, his name is Mike Beal. And, um, I, I just kind of told him about this. I, I don't think he knew. Right. But Mike, uh, was had a job doing like things that I thought were cool and he was getting he was doing well and he wanted to get into cyber right he wanted to get into this audit space and and I thought Mike like no one ever asks like how, how do I get your job they don't ask that that's not something they do so I was like perplexed and he was going to take a decent pay cut to join so he was going to like start at the very bottom level, because he little he literally had zero cyber experience. But anyways, he got on some of the engagements that I were that I was on, and he just asked questions, and then he just until he would just keep asking questions, and then he would just execute on what his understanding was. And I don't know. I remember vividly one day at, on a client site. I think we were at um, in, somewhere in Palo Alto, VMware. Um, I think I remember looking at uh, at Mike and just working, and he was like happy, and he was just mm-hmm. just crushing it. 
And it was inspiring to me. Mm. And I thought, oh, okay, like he gets satisfaction out of like learning how to do something and finding out and then doing it the very best he could. He started getting a lot of satisfaction out of just simply doing an amazing job at something. And so it's not like I learned zero, you know, while I was working. I was doing enough not to get fired, right? I was doing mm -hmm. enough to be good, you know. But let's see here. Um, I think one of the things that I, I did read a lot when I, and I'd listen to audiobooks when I go on runs. And one thing that always stuck out to me was from seven, uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People mm -hmm. um, by. Stephen Covey. And there's this section where, at least in one of the versions, where it talks about in increasing your, your sphere of influence, right? By focusing on solving problems that are, you know, are in your purview. And um, there, there's this little uh, clip in one of the versions where it talked about this guy who just would do everything that no one else wanted to do. And he expanded his sphere of influence till he became the president of the company. And he said he watched him just just thrive off of just solving problems within his sphere of influence. And so I think having that in the back of my mind and then seeing Mike, and that was just super cool for me because I could think like, okay, well, let me see what problems, the things that, that I don't like, right? Um, including like talking to Angie, you know, my wife, and her kind of challenging me and saying, well, what is it that you don't like specifically mm -hmm. about this? And I just, you know, I'm like, I don't know, it just all generally hurts, you know. I just don't like it. Um, but I think what it was was I don't think I was producing any value. Um, I don't think I was producing the value that I thought I could produce. And so what I started to do was, well, I had some technical skills and I started to say like, well, let's think about this thing that I hate and let's focus on seeing if we can resolve that. And it turns out that that's actually a really, win that's a great winning strategy that I, that I came upon. Because if there's something that just pains you big time, that actually indicates there's something, there's an opportunity to probably pain someone else mm -hmm. as well. Right. And so uh, inefficiencies are, you know, everywhere. So we can talk a little bit about that. You know, why are there so many inefficiencies in the cyberspace? And I think I have a lot of opinions on that. Probably <laughs> super unpopular, but um, that that is what changed it. So those three things. Right. You know, wh what is it that you don't like? OK, great. Also, just kind of filling my mind with inspirational content, you know, reading a lot. Mm -hmm. And then finally, Really, I, I do think that it was Mike Beal. That, that was the catalyst that when I really started to change, and I'm like, boom. And then I started doing, I, I kind of uh, took the foot off the gas on the, on the startup thing. I said, I'm going to make this a career. I'm going to do good at this. Mm -hmm. And um, everything changed for me. I started to love you know, audit. I started to love cybersecurity audit in particular because I'm like, I, 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 this is something I could be really good at. And I got to work at awesome companies, you know, being a consultant, and um, sometimes for a long time, and I got to know those people. Um, really, just just an amazing career, honestly. It's just it was just awesome. And so that was kind of the model. What sucks? <laughs> Let's fix that. Yeah. 
hey, guess what? Other people also had that problem. This is, this is how Kenny did it. And so that led to just so many opportunities. But there's just so much friction, right, in this space. So what are some of the <laughs> problems that you solved that you shared with others? Um, yeah, so I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, automating things that can be automated. Uh, one of the big problems, I think, um, so I'm, I'm not answering it yet, <laughs> sorry, uh, but I think it's important. One of the big problems in our space is that you, you have, okay, let's, let's talk, let's take audit. Let's take uh, something like SOC 2 or PCI. What, what do you want? Or FedRAMP or whatever it is. So you have a governing body that is well-meaning that produces uh, a, a list of things that need to be in place for, for a company. So they have this standard that you say, hey, everybody needs to do this or everybody needs to do that. And they serve it up in the way they think is going to be understood by others. But since we're subjective people, you know, that doesn't work. But their incentive really is, I don't, you know, they, they create this, this, this standard, okay? And then who has to implement the standard? Businesses. The businesses have to implement the standard. Right. Did they, why do they have to do that? Because somebody said they had to do that. And they want to be focused on whatever their mission of the company is. And they don't necessarily know the why behind right. the standard, right, at all? No. Yeah. And what is their incentive to do it? I don't know. Their incentive is to make money. They don't st – you, no one starts a business to say, oh, yeah, let's be the most secure organization in the world. What do we do? What do we right. sell? Who cares? We'll no, be secure. Doesn't matter, man. <laughs> doesn't matter. We're going to be we're gonna be amazing. Okay, so that's the incentive their incentive is to, to make the auditors go away, right? Yeah. Now, the auditors, what is their model, right? So I do think that audit companies that are thriving, that are doing well, are really customer-focused, and they're focused on partnering. And, uh, but they do have to fight that tenancy because they don't have the same skin in the game. Their, their objective is to do audits, and they can charge fees. It's kind of like an, you know, they, they charge fees to their customers, right? And they kind of, they rightly win that business from, from, those, uh, from those companies. So you have the auditors, you have the standards bodies, and then you have the businesses that actually have to implement it. And so aligning incentives is a big problem, right? So what is the incentive of the person who's writing the standard to make it something that's consumable for the businesses and the auditors? I mean, Nothing other than the goodness of their hearts, right? If it's somewhere. Everyone you know, knows about right. the famous goodness of the bureaucratic heart. <laughs> yeah, everybody <laughs> knows about that, right? They try so hard, right? That, yeah. What is their incentive to serve that up, right? In a way that people are going to understand. So that's where you get like the friction. And then you have specialists that come in sometimes from the audit firms or from other places where they're saying, hey, you know, just, you know, do a, do a Google for, like, automate my SOC 2 and see, see what awesome companies come up. And they'll say, hey, we'll take care. We'll totally take care of this for you. Businesses, you don't even have to do anything. 
you, you don't even have to try. Just implement our software and you're going to be good, right? And the businesses get that message of that outcome that they'll say like, oh yeah, like we'll automate compliance and uh, we don't really have to do much, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And so that message is probably resonates at first until, you know, I don't know. Until but, what? Well, until the pay, until the cost, the price comes in or? I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. Honestly, it's like they don't really know. Yeah, so we're kind of going off into the weeds, but like, yeah, that if a business is told like, hey, just press this button and you can be secure and you can be compliant and you can tell everybody else that you're compliant, uh, that doesn't really exist, that that mechanism. You can't do that, right? Security complying with the standards. So they're trying to do the right thing. Like the standards bodies, they're trying to do the right thing. They're, they have smart people that are going through a bevy of, of risks. And how do, we, how do we make sure that these cloud companies are implementing these, right? So it's just uh, really hard to align in, in the incentives. They, they want the outcome of like, I get a sticker and I can have the appearance of being secure and uh, the auditors want the fees. Mm-hmm. That's what their incentive is. And so if they're not careful, you know, there's a lot that can go wrong, right? So an auditor can go, oh, great. Here's a great opportunity for us to just uh, partner here with this company. And we can, you know, we can just get business from them. And we can, <laughs> it kind of, these auditors are supposed to be independent, but what if they're not? Mm, right. What if they're not? And then you don't. I don't know. It's a. It's a real. It's a real challenging problem, right? So you, these guys don't have skin in the game. These guys don't have skin in the game. These guys are the ones that have skin in the game. The ones that are the businesses. They're right. the ones trying to sell, trying to enable trust with other customers. But how do we get alignment? It's a it's a it's a incredible challenge, incredible challenge, and it's not just in the security space; it's in everywhere, right. right? On the finance side, and you know, it's where you have fraud and all that stuff. So, in the problems that you fix, so to speak, is that the realm that you made progress in, or? Yeah. So, um, well, I got you know. So, how are we doing for time on air? How long have we been doing this? Wow. 30 minutes. Yeah. So I don't want to, I don't want to bore people. Maybe we can kind of segue into something else and to the next episode. Right. But one of the cool things that I got to do at Adobe. So I, I, I had a decent little career and then I met a guy, Avi Pandit and he was put in, I had uh, got in contact with him from another friend, Andrew Wheatley, who was a mentor for me at PwC. And, uh, I met Avi and uh, I just liked him. We had a good vibe and interviewed so many people at Adobe. And he asked me to kind of help him build something that would that would make it simple for for Adobe to comply with many standards, like with SOC two and FedRAMP and PCI, and have a standard that was really uh, focused on simplifying those complex frameworks, right? Compliance soup, 
you know, how do you make it easy? And so what we did at Adobe is actually pretty popular. It's called the Adobe Common Controls Framework. I think you were telling me, you like said, oh, what is that Adobe Common Controls Framework? And you looked it up and you found all these businesses that were actually implementing the yeah. Adobe Com Common Controls Framework because it's open source now. And it's a it's a real important initiative, and so the the idea there maybe we can talk a little bit about it um, yeah. in in, a, in another episode. But essentially, what you're doing is you're trying to say, hey, here's all these like you know 1,500 or 1,600 requirements from these compliance regimes, and how do we make those instead just like you know 100 requirements or 200 requirements or something like that? And uh, that resonates, right? Because you're, you're focusing on how do we make this easier for, you know, people to, to implement. So we can talk about that maybe in another episode, but. Yeah, yeah. So you worked at Adobe, you built the Adobe Common Controls Framework, and then where did you go from there? Yeah, with a lot of people, like I wasn't alone, right? Okay. I got to, yeah, I got to work with a ton of awesome people on the business side and security side. And then also as our team grew, you know, there's, all the people that were a part of that team are leaders in the space now. You know, I'm still really good friends with them. Yeah. But awesome. okay, so yeah, yeah I, I just want to make sure I'm not, it, it wasn't all me. Oh, right, right. But, right. but I was one, one of the main architects of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. Um, yeah, so like, where did you go from Adobe? Like, after being a part of that team that built Adobe Common Controls? Um, so after that, I was like, uh, I, I went to conferences and I talked to people about using Adobe common controls and they said they, yeah, we like kind of the idea, but it's still, you, it's a, it's a pretty big effort to really understand the context of each of those. And there's, there's a lot more that goes to it. And I'm like, yeah, that's fair. That's hard. So hmm, that's a hard problem. How do we solve that? And so that's where, you know, I, 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 I was kind of done with, with doing that, and uh, I was trying to move into other things. And so I set off on my own, actually, uh, just to take a break. I was actually going to try something completely different. I said, so, I don't know, let, let's start a hedge fund because I, really <laughs> <laughs> I was really into investing and everything. And so I was going forward with that. And uh, anyways, that was just kind of a like, little sidetrack on my life. But I was still doing consulting, and I got awesome engagements with, with people. And so... Anyway, that's, uh, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I started my consulting practice and then we came up on a few like really interesting problems. I don't know. Do we want to talk about those now? I guess we can. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, uh, some of the, the, the interesting things was same thing with, with FedRAMP, right? It was like, how do we, instead of doing, you know, you know, over 700 requirements or 600 or so requirements and implementing those in diverse environments, you know, handling that documentation is really, really challenging, you know, because uh, it's, it's such an important standard and it's the way that you want to do it, but it's just, it's just such a hard problem. And so what I did is we said like, hey, how can we streamline this and make this easier? Um, is there a way that we could have the capabilities, you know, the, the capabilities uh, that we exhibit here at this company? Can we just have an inventory of capabilities that we do? So, for example, like multi-factor authentication, single sign-on, um, identity and access management, tooling, um, 
logging, things like that, uh, the, the, the security operations center function, the SOC function, can we keep like a capabilities inventory and make sure that those things are compliant with the standard, you know, but do it one time. And then right. whenever that capability needs to be invoked in this 900 page document, let's, let's call that out. You know, let, let's, let's invoke it there and let's try and simplify the thing because companies don't do you know, 700 different things. They don't do a thousand different things. They don't do that. Right. They do, they do a few things and they try to, and they hire smart people to run the SOC. You hire run people to, you, you hire smart people to run your identity management program and they just kill it and they do awesome. And so that's where people are actually doing a lot better than they think when it comes to compliance. Got you. And so, so what makes like FedRAMP so difficult is the fact that it is so comprehensive. It's like it's covering a whole bunch of different little problems. And it's like each thing just wants to be a little tweaked. A little, yeah. Okay. Totally. Yep. Anyways, man, what a super fun. I, I think, I don't know. That's probably enough for today. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> could, yeah, I mean, <laughs> pack it up. Yeah, we'll pack it up, yeah. wrap it up here. Yeah. yeah.